When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given. And I'm joined as ever by the inimitable Mr. Daniel Norcross. Even if you wanted to imitate him, you couldn't. And I'm joined by the latest recruit of Sussex County Cricket Club, Mr. Stephen Finn. Everybody else talking about Cristiano Ronaldo's big transfer this week, but there's only one transfer that we care about, and that's the big one. That's Stephen Finn to Sussex uh, that we will talk about a bit later on. However, I see these reprobates every single week around this sort of time. I'm also joined by a very special guest this week as well, and it is an absolute honour to introduce the one and only Mr. David Lloyd. He's been a player, an umpire, a coach, a commentator, just about every single job in the game. There's not many people that know the game of cricket better than this man. Bumble, how are you, sir? Great to see you. I'm absolutely average. Thanks for asking, Toby. <laughs> I'm not in the best of health, but I'm looking forward to this. I've got spondylitis, which is blaming awful. It's in my neck. And I'm full of painkillers, but 45 minutes will be lovely. I've, I've never heard of that. What does that consist of? It's a very posh word for arthritis. Right. And it's from duping game cricket, standing sideways for 20 years. <laughs> well, we'll talk about those 20 years and the years since as well at Lake Football. Um, I should mention, we have actually physically met once before. Now, you will not remember this whatsoever, David, but uh, the 2005 Ashes, I was 14 years old. I'm sorry that that makes everybody on this call feel very old. I was 14 years old. I was at the Oval with a few friends and I spotted you walking around the outside of the ground and I went, oh, lads, that's Bumble. And I ran up to you and I said, excuse me, Bumble, can I shake the hand of a legend? And you went, you certainly can. Shook my hand, said, thanks very much. And you carried on walking. And I went, cheers, Bumble. You went, no worries. So we did meet all those years ago. And so thank you for shaking my hand back then and thank you for joining us this evening. I remember it so well. <laughs> I want to get into it all, Bumble, really, but... um. I've got a difficult question for you right out, okay? Because I, I, I mentioned there, you've literally done every role in the game. Player, umpire, coach, commentator. What's been your favourite? Well, there's nothing beats playing. Right. I mean, that's a given. You, you, there's nothing beats playing. You know, your ambitions when you start and how far you're going to go. 
I loved umpiring. I loved it. That, well, that was great. But the umpire was in charge. You've got to think about the 1980s where the umpire was in charge. I worked for Test Match Special on BBC Radio. Uh, that was terrific with some wonderful, wonderful characters. And then when Satellite TV came in, I did that. And that's what I'm doing now. So, you know, me and Dan were, were in a great position. And Stephen's been in there that you, you've got a great seat. You've got an elevated view and you're just yarning about the game. I mean, you've uh, you've nailed all the professions, to be fair. What about this, okay? Which one out of those have you been the best at? Well, I was... Let's talk Jeffrey Boycott because he said that I'd never have played for England if he hadn't been injured. So, we, you know, we can start from there <laughs> as a player. Um, as an umpire, I, I did all right. I... I, I like to keep the game, Stephen would have liked to bowl from my end because I like to keep the game moving. I like to, yeah, I've seen enough of him. Let's get somebody else. <laughs> That's my favourite type of umpire, that. You were sort of a Ray Julian type, were you? Yeah, yeah well, I, I modelled myself on Ray Julian and not on Dickie Bird. Dickie yeah. never gave anybody out. <laughs> He'd have a nightmare now with DRS, not out now at all. Feeney, I've got to ask you, we've touched on it with Norcross before, but. Um, when you guys are playing, obviously, you don't hear the live commentary that we all get at home. So, you know, if Brendan McCullum's spanking you all around a World Cup somewhere, you only get the reaction out of the crowd. You don't hear the commentary and stuff like that. How aware are the guys in the England camp of what's being said about them after a day's play? And how much do you guys Ooh. pay attention to that sort of stuff? Because I know, you know, Norcross has stuck the knife into you. No loyalty. We've been doing this podcast for about a year now and Norcross is always sticking the knife into you on commentary. Yeah, he, he he is. He does. It's, it's one of those things you don't, you try not to think about it. You actually teach yourself over the course of your career not to think about it or not to let it affect you. But yeah, early on in my career, I definitely read like a fair few things. And I was lucky early in my career, they were quite positive. But then as soon as you read a couple of negative ones, you start thinking, oh, those pricks up there, what are they saying now? <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but you do teach yourself to to realise that it's just, it's all objective and any criticism that you do get, you probably deserve it. So, yeah, you, you just, you learn to accept it, I think. Well, one question I'll ask, ask you, Billy, and, and you as well, Bumble, because when we deal with cricketers when they're still playing, they can be they can be a bit prickly because they might have heard you slag off the way they got out. I think I, I think Johnny Bairstow, I might have complained about him getting bold a little bit too often and and he would give me the evils, you know. But once you step into the box, you you pretty quickly work out what it is that we've got to do. I mean, we can't not say this. We can't say, oh, well, poor old Johnny got, got a bit unlucky there, missing a straight one. I mean, so you sort of do, don't you, as part of the theatre, have to adjust the way you talk about the game. Well, I mean, it's only a game of cricket. That's all it is. Yeah. I think it's entertainment and you've got to do a job. And that was great. More often than not, you know, everything's great. It is. It's terrific. And if you get a poor performance, you've got to say, you know, that didn't happen. Poor performance. He didn't do well. The best one was when Bob Willis, dear Bob, was asked to give, and somebody asked him to do this. this Sky asked him, we want you to give a rating out of 10. Anyway, he gave Chris Walks none. And so, <laughs> if, to cut a long story short, Bob, Bob said, you don't get a point for turning up. He <laughs> finished up. Chris Walks is one of the nicest blokes in the world, as is Bob, as was Bob. 
and Bob had to write him a letter of apology. <laughs> oh, it was nonsense. He's gone in a game of cricket, for goodness sake. <laughs> <laughs> of all the people, Chris Wokes is the nicest yeah. man in the world as well. But what about what about you, though, Philly? Because because you're you're still you're talking about people that sometimes you're still playing with. I mean, we've had this a bit more in TMS recently. Jimmy's been on. And Alistair Cook, straight after he finished his career, does it inhibit you at all? No, I think, well, I'm fortunate that I can still look at it through the perspective of the current player. So you actually try and make it more constructive about how someone might get them out of a certain run of form or, um, or something like that. I try to put a current player's spin on it. So you can say that they're, they're disappointed by the way they've, played but they might highlight this thing that they could potentially work on going into the next game blah de blah but at the moment I try and word it like that but I'm sure as soon as I've finished I'll have absolutely no problem getting my knives out and start <laughs> sticking them all over the place <laughs> give it give it a few years Finney will be sticking into Chris Wokes every week it'll be it'll be, it'll be horrible to <laughs> and by the way I should explain if you're wondering why Finney sounds like a poor man's Barry White at the moment it's because he went to a <laughs> wedding this weekend Finney your voice is a bit raspy singing what what caused that I think a bit of everything, to be to be quite frank. Yeah, a bit of singing. I managed to find myself next to the speaker for a majority of the night. So, yeah, just <laughs> constantly shouting into people's ears for about six hours has done my voice. I was hoping that I'd be able to recover, but now I'm 32. I literally can't hack it anymore. I, I feel like I've put like 10 years on me over the course of the weekend. So, yeah, looking forward to a few days, not really speaking to anyone, which suits me down to the ground. Well, I hope Sussex have kept the receipt. Uh, right, now, uh, Bumble, I've got to ask you, because I've heard you singing on the comms in, in recent weeks and months. You're a bit of a crooner yourself, Bumble. If, if you're in front of a karaoke machine, what are your go-to numbers? It'd be uh, Folsom Prison Blues, Johnny Cash. Nice. Sweet Caroline, obviously. I can do that. Caroline, status quo. Mm. I'll give that a bit of a go. And we usually, when we're in Barbados, we, we get down the karaoke. What's it called? St. Lawrence Gap. Just as you go into St. Lawrence Gap, there's a place on the left-hand side, a shack, and they get karaoke in there. And me and Simon Duell went in one night, and we just hogged it. We were on it all night. <laughs> uh, oh, and Vaughan. Flipping Vaughan, to, he'd turn up because he wanted to go. He'd have to have a go. I'm yeah. sure I've been in that place. I was going to say, Finney, you told us a story earlier on yeah. in the podcast about the time that you and a few of the England boys had a catamaran trip and ended up in a bar. Is that the same bar? It sounds like exactly the same bar, yeah. And we commandeered <laughs> the uh, the karaoke machine that night as well. That's, that'd be it. Yeah, that'd be it. it's bloody good fun. Good fun. Great rendition of Craig David. You know the you know the infamous you know the infamous Zimbabwe trip you know we, we flipping murdered them. Yeah. Well, on that trip we've we've stumbled around and, and Robert Croft was on the trip and Robert Robert likes a, a bit of a do on the karaoke and, and that infamous trip where everything went wrong and I'm the villain of the piece. Me and Crofty, I'm coach, he's the offspinner, and we went into this karaoke and he did Jerry Lee Lewis, Great Balls of Fire, and he brought the house down. Really? He's absolutely brilliant at it. He is brilliant, yeah. I've seen him do it at Sophia Gardens when they, they won now they won the championship, we won a one day competitions, and he did it again on the on the balcony. He's Welsh, they they can all sing, but the one oh. the one that staggered me, Bumble, was um, Pat Pocock. Uh, he he sings pretty much every year at the uh, end of season Surrey Bash, you know, and uh, he does proper crooning. He does full on Frank Sinatra's. Really? Yeah. Graham Fowler, Phil Collins, 
Think Phil Collins, Graham Fowler, and the drummer, eh? Drums and all. There's, there's a lot of musical talent in cricket because you've obviously got uh, Mark Butcher, a bit of a crooner nowadays. Really? You've got Swanee was in a band. You got There's a lot of musical talent. Finney in the middle Brett Lee, Jesse Brett Lee. Brett Lee. Lee. Uh, it's A.B. de Villiers produced one of the most hilarious uh, videos. If you, you, I urge anybody who listens to this, YouTube A.B. de Villiers' song, and it's a, one of the craziest videos you'll ever see in your life. It's about 14 years old. Oh, is, is he good? Because like, A.B. de Villiers, it looks like he's talented at everything that he does. Well, I mean, look, the song is an absolute aberration <laughs> and should never have been permitted. But he actually performs it okay. I mean, his voice is a, is a trifle adenoidal because that is how he sounds generally. But, it's, yep. you know, he can hold a tune. Lad can hold a tune. Finney in the Middlesex dressing room, aside from, of course, yourself, who's, who's, the, who's the crooner in the Middlesex changing room? Well, I've, yeah, I've got my level four, grade four violin that I pull out every now and again in the dressing room <laughs> and play the boys a tune. Um, Recorder. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... I, in the Middlesex dressing room, they're appalling. But I remember in the England dressing room when I was younger, Graham Swan just fancied himself as a rock star. He didn't think he was a cricketer. He genuinely thought he was a rock star for all the time that he was playing cricket for England. So every time he would just get control of the iPod, put some rock music on, and he'd just sing aggressively into people's faces, and that would be it. You'd have to listen to him. Well, I believe you because Graham Swan regularly WhatsApps me when I'm on air on Radio X because he listens to Radio X and just requests songs. I'm like, Swanee, this isn't your personal <laughs> iPod. He messages me whenever he's listening to Radio X and asks for songs. Elton John was a huge fan of England, wasn't he? Because Foxy tells many a story of Elton John turning up on tours. I think, didn't he turn up in New Zealand in the Sex, Drugs, Rock and Roll tour, I think? That's it. He used to be in Australia and New Zealand and he'd sort of hang out with the guys. He was into a cricket phase at that time. Eric Clapton also at that time uh, would be round and about. Did they not drag them into some pretty heavy nights out? Because back then, Eric Clapton and Elton John knew how to have a good time. Did they not rope any of the cricket lads in? Can I just give you a couple of names? Please do. Just two names. Um, <laughs> Ian Botham, Alan Lamb. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is a party I would have liked to have been at. Eric Clapton, Elton John, Ian Botham and Alan Lamb. I bet that was a good night. Well, I, w I wouldn't stand up at that. There's no way I would appear at that. Absolutely no way. You'd be safety net. That's it. And, and insurance. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know where it all went so wrong at England around that point of time. Uh, speaking of, I'm getting back to the cricket briefly, Bob. But I want to ask you. You mentioned Jeff Boycott said that you never would have played for England if it wasn't for him getting injured, which you know rather unkind. But I had a look at your stats earlier on, Bumble, and you're a bit hard done by to only play nine test matches, weren't you? 214 not out, batting average of 42. Okay, you didn't bowl bowl a lot, but um, robbed, weren't you? You should have had 100 caps, mate. Well, I got 214 not out, and if he hadn't declared, I'd still be in now. <laughs> and I was mortified when he declared, but we'd lost a day. We'd lost a day to Ray. Mike Deness was captain, a lovely fella uh, from Scotland, and it was against India, so... Of course, I went to Australia and we all got found out by Thompson and Lily and I was a, a sort of a real casualty of that. If, if I were on song and there was an opportunity, I'd get in. If I, if I went just below that level, I wouldn't get in. I wouldn't be good enough because some good players around at that time. Geoffrey got injured, but, you know, you just mentioned John Edrich was around. They brought Colin Cowdery out to, to play just around about Christmas time when you were about 42 years of age. What a great decision that was. <laughs> and, and so... 
you know, we got turned over by Australia. It was thoroughly enjoyable. We got beat 4-1. Great set of blokes to play against. Really good set of blokes to play against. No shenanigans, really. Played it tough, played it hard. End of a day's play, we'd be in each other's rooms and we'd have a beer and a yarn and then do battle again the day after. In fact, tomorrow morning, six o'clock, I've got one of these with Ian Chapel, which will be good fun. And Mark Waugh. I mean, Mark Waugh, he don't think anything in England's any good at all. <laughs> so, highly in. And he's, he's come out he come out with a line the other day, Mark Waugh. He said, England have surpassed themselves. This this test match just gone. They picked a worse opener than Sibley. <laughs> Bumble, did you guys um did you guys have drinks with the opposition after every single night of a game? Not just like at the end of the series or something. It would have been most nights of a game you'd go into the rooms. Yeah, um, and but the majority of the team, our team, would go in. One or two wouldn't. I mean, you know, to be honest, one or two would say, "No, I'm not going in." Um, but the majority of us would go in and, and you just you know, just have a yarn and a beer, you know what it's like, and then you'd, you'd kick off again the day after. But, Dave, you know, if you say Ian Chappell, Ian, Ian Chappell's a tough cookie, and his brother, Greg, Thompson, Lily, Marsh, they, Ian Redpath, you know, they were a seriously good team, but a good set of blokes, a good, tough set of blokes. And they were eight ball over, Stephen. It'd be great with a couple of no balls chucked in as well. So now you've got a 10 baller at Adelaide in 42 degrees. Marvellous. <laughs> Sounds absolutely disgusting, to be quite frank. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you obviously had that famous, that famous moment with Tomo. And Tomo loves to talk about that series. And he, and he, he talks about Keith Fletcher as well, being hit on the head. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but it sounds to me like, you've just described like you guys getting on really really well was it i mean when, when you're facing up to two terrifying fast bowlers like thompson and lily does it help to go and talk to them after each day perhaps in a way it sort of makes them a bit more human doesn't it yeah I, I like that human element dan that you know you get to know each other and and it's a game I and mean, they're representing their country and you're representing yours they came out on top and they're not there's no quarter as to given it's a, a tough hard game but you get to know the people. And, and, you know, when we go back to Australia now, I'll meet up with Dennis Lilly, I'll meet up with Rodney Marsh, Ian Chappell, of course, is a broadcaster. So you, you make friendships as well, but there's no mistaking uh, that it's really tough. And having a chat after the game doesn't help you one little bit. <laughs> you know, he's coming after you. And at that time, eight ball overs, with, with Tomo especially, you get five bumpers. You get five bumpers and you're no helmet, no arm drive, no chest pad. I'm not sure that we had thigh pads either. I think we just used to put a pair of socks in your pocket just to take them. <laughs> they don't make them like that anymore. Well, Bumble, me and Finney have got a net lined up at some point in the future. And Finney keeps telling me he's going to knock my block off, which I'm, I'm not looking forward to at the moment. I have to admit, it's the closest thing I'll ever get to Jeff Thompson. We did have a, a, a proper laugh about Alex Hales in the 100 getting hit in the groin area. Um, a couple of times. I think everybody had a laugh about it. In fact, even non-cricket fans were laughing about it on social media. I know you've told the story a million times, Bumble, but we, we do have to talk to you about that famous delivery you took to the uh, to, to the Nadgers. Was that was that pretty much your lowest point ever on a cricket pitch? Yeah, because I had a pink light some on. It was just one of them little pink things, like a soap holder. <laughs> and, and the impact, it, it sort of hit me flush on. It, it brought the plastic and everything that should have been inside 
it's just snapped its way to the outside. It snapped shut. That that was the problem. I mean, Alex Alex Sales won the lottery getting hit by some media pace. He's won the lottery. But but with Tomo, the the problem was that it's it, it it sort of prized open the box and then snapped shut. Oh. So you know that was the, and of course. The medical, t- we had a, a full medical team. In fact, that was Bernard Thomas. That was it. The fellow called Bernard. And medically, the only thing that he could do was put my nudges in a pipe pot of iced water. <laughs> wasn't he famous? Yeah. Wasn't Bernard Thomas a guy who was famous for um, a whole series of like uh, of abominations in the dressing room? Like when didn't Gucci break his hand or something? So he thought he had cramp and he and he yanked it even further. And uh, no, that was Laurie Brown. That was Laurie Brown. <laughs> oh, Laurie Brown. Laurie, Laurie Brown was at Man United. Then he was at Lancashire, and then he he went with England. And and he he sort of Gucci's got hit in the West Indies. And he sort of pressed and pulled. Does that hurt? Does it hurt? He went through the room. <laughs> 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 None of these, you, you don't realize how lucky you are, Finney. All these, you know, getting a, a massage after every session, just, you know, people waiting on you hand and foot. You don't realize how tough they used to have it back in the day. Now, I should mention that, Bumble, your stats, the one good thing about only playing nine test matches is that you retire with a glorious batting average of 42. Well, I say you retire unless you get recalled to the England team, which at the moment, the top order, you know, you're probably not too far down the pecking order at the minute. Uh, but Finney, didn't you, um, your average got ruined in your very last test match, didn't it? Sorry to, to bring up, I know this is a tough, a tough point for you, but didn't it get ruined in the last test match? Yeah, my average tipped over 30 for the first time in my career, in my last test match, yeah. But you, like, fucking so you want- travesty. Well, uh, what, to think, Graham Swan had given you the template, didn't he? Because he left the Australia Tour in 2013-14 with a bowling average of 29.96, which was very... That's, that's how you do it. Yeah, that is how you do it. Yours is like the really shit story of Don Bradman where he just missed out on a batting average of 100 and yours tipped over 30 at the very last second. What's, um, who's, the batsman to, who's the batsman most responsible for that in the last game? Oh, I've got no, I only bowled, I think I only bowled 11 overs in the test match because it was that one where it just spun. It was like a minefield from day one. So I bowled 11 overs in the entire test match. I didn't even really have an opportunity to, to try and take a couple of wickets to drag it back down. It was just a spinner's paradise. And then that well, was it. Thanks for coming. <laughs> now we should talk about Finney. Uh, you've got plenty of chances now to improve your average. Because Stephen Finn has had a sex change. He's gone from Middlesex to Sussex. And uh, Finny, tell us about the transfer. Because, I mean, you know, I, you didn't tell us about it. I had to find out through Twitter. Is that the world that we live in nowadays where you can't even message your friends telling us well, about you, your exciting news? You're not my friends. We're, <laughs> we're colleagues. We're podcast creators together. We're not, we're not friends. And I don't want you ever to think we're friends and get comfortable around me because... Because I'll never accept it. Do, do you, I don't really do you, like you at all. Bumble, this is what we have to put up with every single week. Me and Norcross are nothing but nice to Stephen Finn, and this is what we're dealing with. Is it like this in the Sky commentary box? Do you have to put up this sort of aggression from NASA and Athers? Well, there's a lot. They call it banter, don't they? And, <laughs> and we've got we've got a good crew. They're trading insults all the time, <laughs> and we we have some great fun. It's like any commentary box. Dan will tell you that. You know, everybody's a bit different. Everybody's got a, something to say. Everybody's got an opinion. We, we have a ball 
I tell you, we we sort of lead the charge at the end of play. And and I know that Dan and TMS do exactly the same. It, it, it's we're very privileged, you know, we're really, really privileged. We get a great seat, we get paid to do it. Uh, you talk about the game that you love and, and you hope that you do it right. You don't please everybody. Not in the slightest do you please everybody. It's great fun when you don't. I mean, I'm 74 now and every now and again and somebody says, when's this bloke going to retire? And I, I, I go straight back onto him. Give us a chance on a pensioner. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love that, Bumble. I love it when you get you get to Twitter and say, this guy, I hate North Cross cricket. He says what he's really, really annoying. I have to switch off the, the radio when he comes on. So I just simply send him my rotor. So he knows when I'm on, so he can turn <laughs> over. <laughs> Always joining on the joke, because obviously in the radio industry, I get plenty of yeah, people that hate me def- just joining on the joke because then they can't go anywhere. Finney, I want to I want to talk a bit more about your transfer because I've genu- I don't know the inner workings of a cricket transfer. So how does it come about? Do the Sussex approach you? Do you say to Middlesex, you know, I'd like to play some more cricket? Talk us through the whole the whole thing and how quickly did it happen? doesn't work like football where you can sign anyone any stage in their contract. You have to be out of contract at the end of the summer in order to be able to talk to other counties. And that date has been brought forward. So I think the date now is the 1st of May. If you don't have a contract for the following summer with the county that you're with, beyond um, after the 1st of May, any county can come and basically chat to you about where they see you what they want you to be or do moving forward. And yeah, and myself and Middlesex couldn't come to an agreement about a new contract just with um, the amount of cricket that you're playing and stuff. And an opportunity came up at Sussex to go and work with a young team that were ambitious, um, a slightly more family orientated club uh, and had some really good positive chats with them through the summer. And it's culminated in me deciding that that was the, the path that, I wanted to go down. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Everything that I've heard about Brighton as a place is that it's incredibly fun and a great place to live. And, and yeah, Dan's, Dan's looking at me as if he knows it's fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, Brighton, a, no, it's a great Brighton, place. Brighton, Brighton's great fun, but Hove, even better than that, Hove, as, as Bumble would also know, has got a magnificent slope so you can just come down the hill. It'll be the easiest thing in the world. You'll probably just come in off about five or six paces. You know, it'll be a great way to... See out your dotage. That's it. I, I've got it in my contract that I can only bowl down the hill, actually. <laughs> yeah, of course you have. Of course you have. <laughs> uh, Finney, you mentioned there it's a young team. Well, um, the most ever teenagers in a team in a county championship match in history. You ready for this? Okay. In history, Sussex against Worcestershire in the year 2021, six teenagers in a county championship team. Um, you're going to have to change in a different room, aren't you, Finish? <laughs> oh, I've done my CRB checks. I've got all those police certificates. It's fine. Uh, they'll let me this, in the same dressing room. This, this, this feels to me... They wouldn't let Norcross, though. No, well, I... <laughs> well there's, there's several reasons why. There are several reasons. But this, this has me in mind. You see, I mean, that is such a contrast to how I imagine Bumble's changing room. At Lancashire in the sort of 70s, early 70s, when I talked to Foxy about it and when I hear some of your tales, Bumble, it, there are some gnarled old pros in there that, you know, and you're, you're sort of like having to polish boots when you're 18 and bring cups of tea and then things that are stronger. I mean, that must have been, a, it was a very different setup from what Finney's going into, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, there were good dressing rooms and they had senior pros and your senior pros, by and large, looked after you. There was no real coaching staff. There was no support staff. You looked after yourself and the senior pros looked after you. And so I was very fortunate in the 60s when I first started that I had good senior pros around me who helped you along the way. And one of them in particular was an opening batsman for England and he must have known that this young kid coming from Accrington would eventually take his place, but it, it never bothered him. He, he gave me great advice, a lad called Jeff Puller, who, who played for England on numerous occasions. He was a wonderful player, Jeff. Didn't like fielding, uh, didn't like fielding yeah. at all. And he, he's the, I can tell you just a little aside about Jeff. Very simple lad, you know, just a basic lad. And he didn't like fielding and he wasn't very good at fielding and he used to stand at split. Now, we had Statham and Higgs, and Stephen will probably know that's as good as it gets. Brian Statham and Ken Higgs as opening bowlers, both of them got a hundred wickets one season, and Jeff at first slip caught three. (laughs) (laughs) Because in the modern game, it's almost like, you know, I know it's a specialist position, but it's often the very best fielder in the team goes there, but it's club cricket normally where you put the bloke who can't field at first slip, but uh, it's nice to hear it was happening at Lancashire in the seventies as well. Uh, Finney, uh, have you ever ended up in the slips? You must have, yeah, there must have been times where there's a bloke on a hat trick and you found yourself suddenly much closer to the bat than you're normally used to. I I did do it actually. There was one game in particular that I it was against Essex at Chelmsford, and I'd been practicing slip catching for for ages, and then eventually they were like, right, get yourself in. You're going to do second slip this game. So it was a ping ball game. Toby Roland Jones was like on the cusp of playing for England. It was a week before he actually made his Test debut, but he hadn't been selected at this stage. And he bowled him with the new ball, and he bowls the ball and he like edges it and Nick Brown from Essex. And I just see this flash of pink come towards me, bright pink. And I just like tip it over the bar for four. <laughs> Toby stood in the middle of the wicket, like staring me down because he's like, you twat, you shouldn't be in there. And I was like, I was quite belligerent. I was like, no, I've got good hands. I'm going to go in there. And then Nick Brown was on 40 at the time. He went on to get 240. (laughs) (laughs) Genuinely, that's the last time I set foot in the slips. I was like, I don't need this on my shoulders anymore. I carry enough shit around the cricket field with me, let alone 200 run deficit. So, yeah, my career in the slips was very brief. And and again, Sussex lucky to have you. Absolutely. And it's it's interesting that he, he shares that with uh, Jeff Puller. But I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you respect because I couldn't I can't go through this without telling you the most boring stat in the world because it's Jeff Puller. Jeff Puller was the first man, and there've only been two of them ever to do it, who scored the same number of runs as his age on his birthday. He got 26 on his 26th birthday for England, and uh, little Sam Curran was the second person to do that at Headingley when he got 20 on his 20th birthday. That is one of the most boring facts known to cricket. You, you even warned us, and it was more boring than I expected. Well, I've got Andrew Sampson to look at because, you know, we were talking about commentary earlier, and it was a slow passage of play, and Curran got out for 20, and I went, oh, out for 20 on his 20th birthday. Andrew, who's ever done that before? And he gave me the dirtiest look, our statistician. He's like, how am I supposed to find that out? And then he was up until four o'clock in the morning until he finally got the answer, and it was Jeff Puller. And <laughs> what else? Are you, are you a stato, Bumble? Do, do you, when you were playing, even now when you're commentating, do you, do you look at stats? I know some cricketers are absolutely obsessed with them and some are a bit more relaxed about the whole thing. I'm interested in stats, yeah. In player stats, I think you can 
to sort of tell how good a player is over a period of time. I like, it, there's some stats which are total bunkum, <laughs> uh, but other, other stats that, that are, are quite interesting that, you know, they'll sort of gauge a player. And, you know, I don't, I don't like overcomplicating the game. He balls it, you hit it, you run after it and do it well. Whatever you're going to do, all that business at the toss. I mean, it's all that. What you're going to do? We're going to bat. Why do you want to bat? Because we do. Because we have a bat. That's why we're batting. Because we want to have a bat. And then you're having a ball. What would you have done? I'd like to have had a bat. Right. It just passes about three minutes. Because whatever you do, you've got to do it well. It's as simple as that. Whatever you do, do it right. I, I hated the captains. I hate the captains. And they, they stopped doing it actually in the last year or two. But for about five or ten years. They were at the toss interview, the first captain said, won the toss, uh, we're going to have a bat. And then he goes to the second captain, what would you have done? Said, Actually, we'd have had a bowl. Oh, would you? Well, it's 35 degrees on a complete road. Yeah, yeah. we just we just think we'll get the winner get most out of it, actually, this time of day. It's absolute nonsense. Yeah. They have improved in the last 12 months. There was obviously a sports psychology in there for a bit where they were told to say that they would like to do whatever they'd chosen to do. But in reality, everyone knows at the toss normally what the team wants to do. Most of the time, in a test match, you want to have a bat, barring some extreme circumstances. Bubble, you mentioned there about it just passes three minutes. I, I do. I know that you, uh, you've, you've talked about this, that you've been blue in the face on commentary for years now, but I appreciate you fighting the good fight. The pace of cricket... And that was one of the best things that came out of the 100 was how strict they were on making sure that they bowled the balls in time. I nearly said overs. I know that's sacrilegious in the 100, but <laughs> that they bowled the balls in time. It's laughable, isn't it? At, at times in test cricket, the, the faffing around, the running out drinks, the checking the ball with the umpires. Does it go through both your little holes of your little metal rings? Can I, can I change my gloves even though I've only been out here for four balls? It, it, it drives me mad as a fan. And I really appreciate you constantly banging on about it on commentary as well. It's it's really a pet peeve of yours, isn't it? Well, it, it, it makes no difference what I say. I've been on a crusade for it. it. Bring me a drink. Bring me a cap. Bring me a helmet. Bring me another drink. Bring me some gloves. I'll change me back. Bring me a towel. Bring me some pills. I want to see the physio. In fact, I'm going for a chat down there to have a word with this bloke over here. I'm going to tie my shoelaces. No, I'm going to tie him again. Bring me another drink. It's our utter nonsense. <laughs> Absolute nonsense. I'll tell you what should happen. You know when two batters are in the middle, they, they call for a drink, an impromptu drink, an impromptu drink. If I were the fielding captain, I'd just say, right, we'll all have one and all, and we'll just sit down <laughs> and just, just really highlight it, really bring it to the fore. Two batters, they do it regularly, whichever team. Uh, bring us a towel, bring us a drink. So they run on. And so the game stopped and you're paying 130 quid to watch the grass grow. Marvellous. So I was fielding captain, bring around the drinks out and we'll all sit down. Bring it, In fact, bring the 11 towels. In fact, bring the 11 chairs. We'll all have a sit. <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. I, I, the, um, the umpires need to be stronger for me. The umpires are the only ones that can step in and do something about this. And I know that they've got roles, but they need to step in and do something about this. It, it wouldn't have happened on your watch. Toby, the laws are there. The umpires won't administer the laws because they don't get backed up by ICC. Mm. It's as simple as that. I used to be on that committee. The laws are there in place, time-wasting. Here's another one. And Stephen will like this. Stephen Finn will like this. When the bowler is at the end... This is a law of the game. It's in the laws. When the bowler is at the end of his normal run, the batsman has to be ready. If he's not, just bowl. He'll soon get there. 
I'd like that rule. That's music to my ears, yeah. Finney, you've got to start doing that. You'd love that rule, but there's a rule. There's a rule, Bumble, I, I, I don't know if you're aware of, that I, I put something out on Twitter that I want to see changed. And I'm not alone. Oh, not this, I want, really. I want, I want leg buys. I want leg buys to go against the bowlers because they bowl this filth. They bowl this filth down the leg side. And you like you, you watch a lot of one day cricket like me. You got all the analysts looking at it, and you see some bloke and he's bowled the first over of the match. And he's got one over, none for six. It doesn't show the fact that he's given away nine leg buys, two sets of four, and one off the hip. He's actually cost his side fifteen runs. Bloke at the other end, good, honest toil, goes for nine runs. The analyst goes, oh, you've gone for nine. He's gone for six. This is terrible. I want to see leg buys go against the bowlers. I mean, uh, a surely, Bumble, surely. Isn't, isn't that the right way to go? Well, it, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was on the ICC umpires committee and it, it was definitely gathering momentum, but it went further than that at ICC that... If the ball, particularly in one-day cricket, if, if the ball came off the pad, it would go against the bowler. But if it went down for four off the pad, you get double, you get eight. So that eight would go against the bowler. And Les Battersby, I don't know whether you know Les Battersby, he's the, he invented the metal detector, did Les, and he's the Australian representative at the ICC. He thinks that if a leg by goes for four in a one-day game, it should be a free hit as well. Now, you know, that that's gathered momentum. And I last time I heard from ICT, which was about three or four months ago, it was on the table, definitely. You see, when Finney, I, you see, Finney? Uh, well, you know, when I finish my career, I want to smoke some of that stuff that those blokes have been smoking. <laughs> Honestly, they, that is some of the most ludicrous, sickening things that I've ever heard in my entire life. Your one is repulsive, Dan, but that one, if the ICC are actually talking about it, it genuinely makes me sick to think that that could happen. Well, do you know what? I've, I've looked into it, to it even further. Just, just for Finney's benefit, I got um, Andy Zaltzman to check out what his a- actual test match average would be <laughs> if the leg bias ran it on, which they should be, in my view, and it's 34.97. <laughs> that's, that's too so bullshit. <laughs> I've not gone for 500 leg buys in test cricket. <laughs> I think you find you have. No, absolutely not. Les Battersby, who I've mentioned, the Australian guy, and they have a lot of clout at ICC, Australia. He has said for years now that it's, it's such a baller's game, that ballers all swear, that they've got to give something back to the batters. And so late buys would also go on to the batter's score and against the ball. He needs to get back onto Coronation Street, Les Battersby. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> that is, how is it? How is it a bat- tell you, Finney, it a, they're coming for you. They're, no, they're, um, they're coming for you. That'll be the day I retire. Happen. If that law changes next February and it's a month <laughs> before I start playing for Sussex, I'll say thanks, but no thanks. I'm done and dusted. It's time to hang them up. How can anybody say it's become a, a bowler's game? Have you seen the scores getting posted in 2020 and ODI? If that rule was made, people would be there trying to volley it down to fine leg for, for <laughs> eight leg buys a, a shot free still? You still, still got to play a shot. Yeah, Benny. but someone would you, make it you look like bowling a shot, field. but also well, volley it down. If there. you bowl it, bowl it straight and he's LBW, isn't okay, he? So what if you insist on, on people on missing leg stump? What about leg buys on the well, offside? Well, I think, yeah, they still count. Don't they? I mean... Bumble, that was the idea, wasn't it? All leg buys were going to go against 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 the bowler. 
it's all a knock-on effect from DRS because Les was saying that with DRS, the bowler hasn't actually he's got four stumps to aim at. You know, he's got umpire reviews and all, all that, so he's actually got four stumps. Unbelievable. So, Give a bit back to the batsman, and you're dead. You're dead right. What you'll do, you, you could get, you could get back to dual internationals football and cricket, where you, you get a good footballer who can lose the sport. <laughs> well, hey, I wouldn't is, mind seeing that. Well, if me and Finney have this net, I'm going to score 36 off my helmet. By the sound of things, if leg buys count, I can't wait. Six free hits as well. <laughs> I can't oh, wait, Finney, mate. Uh, uh, we can't finish the podcast without talking about a stunning victory for England against India that um, that nobody really, really saw coming. Even me, the most optimistic Conti England fan, um, they were absolutely brilliant. They blew India away in the test match. You can tell how poor England have been recently, that there was a little bit of a moment overnight when you saw Pajara and Kohli scoring runs where everybody went, they couldn't. Could they? Surely England aren't going to throw this one away as well. But no, England won by an innings and 76 runs. The Pretty much the perfect performance. They did everything well that they've been doing badly recently. The top order scored runs and they held their catches in the slip cordon. So everything that we've been moaning about the last few months, um, they put to bed for at least one test match anyway. Bumble, how impressed were you by, by the England team and the way that they uh, bounced back from that defeat and also just the manner of the defeat in the previous test match? Yeah, it was a, a terrific game up at Headingley and the vagaries of Headingley, it, it just goes to sleep sometimes and then just fires up. And Corley winning the toss was pretty straightforward. We'll have a bat. But the first ball swung and, and you know, there's a difference between early swing and late swing. The England bowlers were swinging it late in decent conditions on a dry pitch. And so, you know, it, it was just a perfect storm for England. They got a, a damn good attack. They got tall bowlers. I'm a big believer in tall bowlers. And if Mark Wood would have played and he's got the pace, he, he, he wouldn't have been as effective, in my opinion. So the bowlers that they had were absolutely perfect for the conditions. Root is in the form of his life. I think Bairstow's got a big innings around the corner. They just want to get Butler uh, firing again, but he's not playing in this next game because of um, a pregnancy, I think it is. Uh, but a wonderful performance. And uh, I, I, I want, I'm oh, sorry, Dan, I just wanted to quickly ask Bumble about that man, Jimmy Anderson, who we've talked about on this podcast a thousand times. Eight overs, three for six in the in the first innings, and he finally got his second innings wicket as well. He, got, he took one in the second innings. But um, see, for me, for my generation, Bumble, I mean, he he is my favourite fast bowler of all time. I think he's, there's an argument he's the greatest fast bowler of all time in terms of skill level and longevity and the fact that he's probably been as good after 30 as most people are in their entire careers. Um, you've seen all the best bowlers in the world up close for a long, long time. Where, where is he in the list of greats? He's the English Malcolm Marshall. Mm. He's a real artist. Mm. I've watched this lad for his days at Burnley when he was opening the batting at Burnley and then to come into Lancashire's team. Um, 30, what is he, 39, right. 38, 39, he is as fit as. Mm. And why is he as fit as? Because he works hard. Mm. He works his nuts off. And Jim enjoys himself as well. I think he's got a great life balance. You know, he takes great pride in what he does. He looks after himself and he knows when to have a good time. And I think that's, that's everything for a cricketer or a sportsman. You know, that career is not that long. You've got to enjoy every minute of it. And he shows no sign of letting up, Jim. Not at all. No. Well, he doesn't always look like he's enjoying himself when he's actually out on the pitch. 
you want to play golf with him, it's your fault. It's your fault if he's duffed it. <laughs> and he, he's, he's a, he's a right-handed golfer and he plays sweet. He plays sweet golf off about five or six. And he hits it nicely. And I said to him, me and him were playing, I said, Jim, are you sure you're a left-handed batter? <laughs> he, he, got, he got the up. <laughs> he got the up. He clearly touched the he nerve, did. Bumble. Yeah, I, I, I was out for the one-day series out in uh, Australia the last time, and he played with Charlie Dagnall in a pair against Everly Rainford, Brent and James Taylor. And he was really chuffed because he didn't think that everybody was going to be any good. Well, Ebony's very, she's a canny girl, is Ebony. So she has got a handicap of 28, but of course plays on nothing like 28. And uh, when James Taylor and Ebony beat them, he was he was what silent and furiously angry for about three days. <laughs> it was it was a standard watch. But, but can I ask a quick question of Bumble here? Because I mean, Jimmy Anderson's kind of the anomaly in the question I want to ask. When we started this summer, there were five players in England's top six or seven rather who were sort of 25 and younger. And the bowlers were all in their thirties, and now we've swapped round, and the bowlers are mostly in their twenties, apart from Anderson, and the batters have now become the over thirties, and that feels like the right kind of where it was balanced. It's supposed to be. How did we find ourselves in a completely skewed place at the start of the season, and how are we in the right place now? Like just yours, you've got to select properly. Uh, you've got to select the right players. If you think about Michael Hussey making his debut at 29 years of age and so he would know his game. David Milan comes back into the team, he would know his game and gives a, a lot of experience and know-how. You know, the fact is that the young lads who played earlier had a golden opportunity. They had a golden opportunity and they didn't take it. They didn't establish themselves. Technically, there's a lot of work to be done and I'm a bit old school. It's a sideways game. You bat sideways particularly. And you can be a chest on bowler. I've no problem with that. But when you're batting, you've got to stand sideways and play sideways. If you're chest on and your bat's coming from gully and stays coming from gully, you've got a big problem. Well, and you'll have, you'll have a screwed up neck at the end of it all, but at least you'll score some runs, basically. Uh, I can't, we, I've got to wrap things up, but before I say goodbye to you, I can't let one stat go unmentioned. I mentioned the fact that England finally scored some top-order runs. There was a statistic going around on social media that, um, well, it shook me to my very core, and I can see Stephen Finn smiling to himself already, because the last time that every member of England's top four made 50 was <laughs> back in 2013 against New Zealand in the first test. And I can tell you that uh, it was the second innings. Alastair Cook made 116. Nick Compton made 117. Jonathan Trott made 52. And Stephen Finn made 56 of 203 balls. Stephen Finn batted for 203 balls. And that statistic was doing the rounds. 56 of 203, Finney. I mean, what an innings. I know, I know you don't like to talk about it, but seeing as it's popular at the moment, um, you know, talk us through just the mindset of an elite batsman. I mean, I'd forgotten that I'd scored a Test 50. Uh, so it's nice of you to remind me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and like you say, it's not something I like harping on about too much because self-promotion is not my sort of thing. But now that you mention it... <laughs> It was actually a wonderful innings to save a test match, a very important test match, actually, in a series that ended up being drawn nil-nil. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take the credit for that. It was just it was just 56. nice to be given an opportunity and not left stranded because the amount of times that 
I've been left stranded on naught or one not out. I've been <laughs> let down by my partner at the other end. It's um, it's just nice to be able, it was nice to be able to show the promise that I have with that. Got you. you. You're normally used to having Tim Murtagh at the other end, but amongst Alistair Cook and Jonathan Trott, you felt more at home. You found your level there, yeah? Uh, Dan, should we put Stephen out of his misery about the leg buys? <laughs> oh, I don't know, really. I was, I was, I was, I was hoping to. I was hoping, yeah, I suppose we're better. Yeah, sorry, I spoke. I spoke to Bumble earlier. <laughs> it's a gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> <Bloody> <laughs> Don't worry, you'll be able you'll be able to play cricket next year. The ridiculous thing is, I didn't think it was too outlandish to be true. The amount of stupid rule changes that those idiots have made over the years. Philip, Stephen, you, you've got less batters be though, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> you've got less batters. <laughs> oh, he was, you were raging as well. You were absolutely raging. I was well. ready to oh, flip God. this table over, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Told that's you. wonderful. <laughs> Uh, well, thank that you, is the perfect thank you, finish thank you, to, to an excellent you. podcast. Uh, David Lloyd, an absolute legend, an absolute honour. Thank you so much. Uh, come back and join us again in the future, please, mate, because I really enjoyed that. Look forward to it. Thank I'll, you. I'll, I'll let you go and watch Coronation Street. But uh, you, you have a good one. <laughs> Cheers, chaps. Daniel yeah. Finney, lovely to see you. Uh, Finney, that's, that's added a few extra miles an hour to that net of ours one day. But uh, yep. I'll speak to you both soon. Cheers, lads. Cheers. See you. <laughs> Podcast Network.